I know that Nathan and Amy enjoyed the week at the beach this, this week, and so it was a good break for them. But it's also a good opportunity for me to get up here and uh, share God's Word with you. Like I said in the Scripture reading, we're going to be in Matthew. And for several months now, we've been, we've been in this series called The Journey Through the Gospels. We've learned about John the Baptist and his message. We've learned about uh, the birth of our King, Jesus. Um, and now we're getting into the beginning of his ministry. Last week we learned from Nathan that uh, he was outcasted from his homeland, and now he's moved to uh, the Sea of Galilee, where he does the majority of his ministry. Um, we're picking up this next section of scripture, and we're just following straight through. And uh, this is the account of when Jesus calls his first disciples. And so the title of today's sermon is going to be Jesus and the Call of His Disciples. In the, in the harmony of the Gospels that we've been going through, there's three different sections of scripture that call out this, uh, this first call of disciples. We have this account here in Matthew. We have um, two other accounts, Mark chapter 1, and then we also have Luke chapter 5. Um, I'm going to be coming out of Matthew for a couple of different reasons. One, Matthew is one of my favorite Gospels, so I love, I love to, to dig into Matthew and learn as much as I can about that Gospel. And uh, another, another reason is because I believe this sticks to our harmony of the Gospels, our journey through the Gospels, and where we're at in the, so far on this journey. So I believe it sticks closest to that. But there's some things to consider about the Matthew passage before we get in uh, in too deep, and before we get into our actual body of the sermon here, there's actually, uh, this passage is known for the fishers of man passage. Everybody's heard that term before, um, but all three of these accounts are not exactly the same. And so when I got into my study this week, I learned that Matthew and Mark are very similar. Mark is always concise, so his is about two verses, whereas Matthew's four verses, but then when you get over to Luke, it appears quite different. Um, it appears that uh, when you look at the Luke passage, um, well, actually, first, when you look at the Matthew passage, there, Jesus is walking by the sea, and we'll get to that, and, and he makes the call, just like we heard in the Scripture reading. But when you look at the Luke passage, Jesus is being pressed by the crowd. He gets into a boat, goes out into the sea, preaches, and then he tells uh, Peter and Andrew to put down the net for a catch. And it seems to be that this Luke passage is the call of the disciples, but it's also in the middle of this fishing miracle. And uh, if you notice some of the verbiage uh, in Luke, uh, let's just turn there real quick. Luke chapter 5. Starting in, we'll just start in verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Luke is just a little well, uh, more well-traveled, so uh, he sees it as a, a lake, not really a sea. Um, and so he saw two boats lying on the edge of the, of the lake, and the fishermen had gotten out of them, and they were washing their nets. And he got one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked 
to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began to teach the people from the boat. Verse 4, he had finished speaking to Simon and said, put out, your, put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered him, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. So it's as if Simon's going, Lord, hey, we're the fishermen here. We, we know what we're doing. Um, we've been out at this all night. Um, we might want to rethink where we're at, and uh, maybe we'll try fishing tonight. Um, but he said, out of reverence for who he was, he said, I'll do it anyway. Verse 6, when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and they began to break. So they signaled for their partner to come, and here's James and, and, and John come over and help them. And it filled both boats and began to sink. And then we see something that we don't see in the other accounts here in verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at the feet of Jesus and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And verse, verse 9, For amazement has seized him and all his companions because the catch of fish was taken. And so also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, were the partners, who were the partners of Simon. And Jesus said to them, Do not fear, for now I'll make you catchers of men. So here we have the same concept we have totally different uh, context. And so when I, when I began to study that this week, I started thinking, maybe he's, he's talking about two separate calls here. Maybe there's, there's more to be learned from just saying, oh, this is the Fisher of Men passage, and we'll just lump them all together. So I started to dig in, study, and it actually uh, R.C. Sproul and his sermon on this defined this Matthew passage as as Jesus calling them to become disciples and, to, and called the Luke passage as them becoming apostles. You might say, well, that's just different words, same meaning. No, actually, the disciples, that word means to be a teacher. I mean, to be a learner, to be taught. Apostles means you've already been taught, now it's time for you to go. And so there's a difference here. And so once I, once I read that from R.C., I started to dig in, and I found that John MacArthur actually labels these callings into different phases. And I want to go over these, and it seems like a lot to introduce before I even get to the sermon, but, you know, we're used to that from Nathan. So. <laughs> and so John MacArthur, John MacArthur comes up with these different phases of the calling, and there's actually five of them total, and I want to run through them real quick. The first phase is found in John 1, where these same four are mentioned with several others, and they're called to salvation. They were... They were speaking with John the Baptist, and, um, and John said, look, behold, the Son of God. And they followed him, and they said, Master, what can we do? And um, actually, at that time, they said, Rabbi, um, which is another, it means teacher. And then phase two is found in Matthew, and this is where uh, they're called to become disciples. And this isn't a, uh, a permanent calling, this is... Um, this, as we saw from the reading, it's, they responded immediately, but it's also, they didn't quit their job, they didn't leave all, they, they said, Jesus, we want to follow you, we want to learn from you, here in this Matthew passage, and we'll get through that here in a few minutes. But then phase three is the Luke passage, where they were told to forsake all and to follow him. And then phase four was when they are sent out two by two to go, and then they come back and give a report, and then phase 
phase five from John MacArthur's teaching is the Great Commission. When they are sent out, they receive the Holy Spirit. And so as my study developed through this, I started thinking, well, maybe John MacArthur actually knows what he's talking about. And uh, maybe it makes a little, a little sense. And so as we, as we look at this, we can think about it in the different phases that John MacArthur goes through. But also, I want to focus just merely on Matthew chapter 4 this morning in this second phase of John MacArthur's teaching because that's where we're at in our journey through the Gospels, our journey together with Jesus through the Gospels. And that's where we look and we find that these men are turned into disciples. And so this text this morning, back to Matthew chapter 5, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, it, it, breaks, it breaks itself down into three different areas. You have Jesus calling them. I'm sorry, you have who, who was called. You have the people who were called. You got Simon, Peter, Andrew, John, James. And then you also have Jesus' actual words that he said to them, the, the, the actual call. So, and then thirdly, you have their response. And so that's going to be our points. That's how we're going to work our way through this this morning. So as we get started, we want to look at who Jesus called. And that's what point number one is, who Jesus called. And you can find this in chapter 4, verse 18, as well as in 21. I'm going to read them again. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then jump down to 21. Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending the nets, and he called them. So if you had to stop and think about that for a second, you would think, all right, Jesus is calling his first disciples who, who logically would he call? Um, in, our, in our simple mind, we, we think, well, maybe he would call uh, those who are best equipped. You know, those who already know the Bible. Those who already are well-versed in Scripture. Those who are maybe already preachers or scribes. Because that would make sense to us, right? Um, but that's not what he does. Um, but if you think about it, that's what we do sometimes in the church. We think, well, we need somebody to work with the, keeping the bank account for the church. Who's an accountant in the church? And so we automatically go, well, so-and-so worked for a bank. He'd be a good one. But we're not thinking about what their calling is, what their fruits are, where they're gifted. And if we're not careful, we need to check ourselves and make sure that we don't fall down that path that they could really... Uh, not be a good plan for the church. So if we were to think about it, like I said, we'd, we'd think, oh, well, Jesus would automatically pick, you know, somebody who's already like a preacher or something. But that's not what he does. He, uh, he picks these four men. You got, again, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. These were the same men that, like I said earlier, were found... Their salvation was found in John chapter 1, around verse 35 and following. These are the men that listened to the preaching of John the Baptist and said, that's, that's who I need to follow. When, when John said, behold the Lamb, Lamb of God, they said, that's the Lamb of God, we need to follow him. And so, 
um, that was their, their call to salvation. They, uh, let's see, they, they saw, they physically saw the Lord, the Son of God, and they went after him. But, as you can see, they didn't, nothing really changed. They, uh, they went after him, they were saved, um, it, was, it was great, they were happy to know Jesus, but they went back to their daily life, they went back to who they were, and that's, that's what we're going to look at now. They were fishermen. They, um, the Bible tells us that Jesus was walking down the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he ran into Peter and Andrew, and they were casting their net, for they were fishermen. That's what they did. That was their occupation. Now, a lot of people and a lot of, uh, of sermons that I listen to on this text would take that and completely run with it. I mean, this would be like the fisherman sermon. And I, I didn't want to focus on that this morning, but it is important because Jesus does take that analogy and turn it upside down. But I wanted to focus on the fact that these men fished every day of their life. That was their, their way of making income. That was their family business. That was everything that encompassed them. And you might say, okay, that makes sense, yeah. But look at where they did fish. They fished at the Sea of Galilee. You say, yeah, that's probably the only, the only lake that was around at that time. Yeah, you're right. And that was the main income for everybody around that area. Um, some historians say that there's as many as several hundred boats to several thousand boats on this lake fishing at any given time. And this lake, or the sea, I call it a lake because I've read so much on Luke that that's what he calls it, but the Sea of Galilee was not a terribly big lake, not a terribly big sea. It was a little over, I believe it was 13 miles long and about five miles wide at its widest points. And so uh, you got to think, Jesus was walking along the shore, and it wasn't just happenstance that he just happened to walk among you know, Peter and Andrew and go, oh, there's those guys, I know them. Or, oh, those are the ones that came up to me after John the Baptist preached. He knew where they were, and he knew where he was walking. There could have been thousands of other fishermen out there on that same shore. We don't know, it's not recorded, but I can guarantee you that those four were not the only four on the beach that day fishing. And so he, uh, he purposely came to these four men, and he chose those four men to come and become di- disciples of, of him. And on a side note, th- yes, they were fishermen, but I couldn't think of a better way for Christ to pick somebody other than a fisherman. If you sit there and look at it, what are some qualities of fishermen, if you had to sit there and think? They're patient. You go out there and you sit for hours and sometimes never, ever catch a fish. Or at least that's what I do. <laughs> or you, they're, uh, they're consistent. They go to the same fishing hole every time because the fish are supposed to be there. So they'll go for days and days and months and months to the same place and fish. They're also hard workers. Back in that day, there's three ways to fish. You can fish with a pole. Like a, like a cane pole fishing today, a little stick, you stick, put a uh, piece of wa- uh, string on it and you hold it out there and wait for a fish to come bite it. You can cast the net 
where it's a, it's a net, it's about nine foot in diameter, and you throw it out there, and then you pull it back. It's weighted on the edge, so it just kind of goes around the fish and catch them. Or there's a drag net where you put two boats beside each other, and you drop the net, and you drag them up. But the majority of the fishing that was done was by net. Obviously, as you can tell, it says they were casting their net into the sea. So that's the way they were fishing. And so they're hardworking because these nets, they tear up real easy. They're used all the time. Like I said, they, they fished every day. That was the way they made money. So they were used all the time. And so they're hard workers. Fishermen are hard workers. They had to mend their nets. They had to take care of it. And a lot of times the fishing in Sea of Galilee was done at night because it was so hot during the day that you couldn't be out on the water because all the fish were so deep because it was so hot. So they had to go all night and fish. And then they would come back during the day and mend their nets, fix their boats, and maybe eat a little bit in there somewhere. And then they would, they would come back and go to work. That's what they did. And so not only are fishermen patient and consistent and hard workers, but they also they have an ability to, to adjust their course. So you might be fishing over here and you see a fish jump over there. What do you do? You pick up and you go and you, and you, you go cast your net over there. You go stick your pole in the water over there. And so to think about God choosing these men who had those qualities, aren't those the same qualities that we need to go effectively witness in the world today? Don't we need to be consistent? Don't we need to be hardworking at the gospel? Don't we need to be um, uh, ability to change course? Don't we need to have that ability to change course when, when something's not working? We need to, to go and find something that is. We have to be willing to change the way that we look at people. And we most, most definitely have to be patient. As, as we go out and share the gospel, we have to be patient. And so, as we look at these men that Jesus chose, we have to think, okay, he already knew them from back in John when they came to him. We, uh, we see that he saw them on the on the shore, and he goes up to them. We also think of who they become later on in Scripture. These, these four men, three of those men are going to become what we know as the inner circle uh, of, of disciples, of apostles. These, these, three of these four men are going to be the ones that are closest to Jesus throughout his, the majority of his ministry. Also, Three of these four men are going to be the ones that are going to go to death for Jesus' name as a martyr. Peter was murdered, I mean, he was martyred on a cross upside down. Andrew was martyred on a cross, on an X-shaped cross. And he, he said as he was being murdered, he couldn't be happier to, to die a death knowing that he served the Lord. And then Andrew, probably one of the, the, the youngest to, to be martyred, one of the first to be martyred for Jesus' name. One of the first. And then you have John, who lived the longest, which, who, who gave us books like Revelation and that wonderful book it is to interpret. But as you can see, these, these fishermen seem like ordinary men. you got Peter, James, John, Andrew, who seem like ordinary men. And for the most part, they were. They were doing their thing. They were fishing, making money for their families, you know. And 
but God came to them. And that's where we look at the, the second point here. We look at the call that Jesus placed on them. Yes, these, these men are not perfect. They're sinful, just like the rest of us. But Jesus came and he called them, just like he has called each and every one of you are, who are a child of God. So point number two, we have how Jesus called them. And we find this in verse 19. He said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It seems like this, this one verse here, you could spend the majority of the time from this sermon, and I probably will on this one verse, but it seems to break itself down into three separate phases. That's the way I looked at it. First off, you have follow me. And I can, I can almost imagine Simon Peter and Andrew sitting there and Jesus walking up to them, not saying anything else, just saying, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The initial reaction probably had to be like, whoa, what's going on? But as we can see later on, that wasn't their initial reaction. If it was to me, I would be like, well, are you sure about that, Jesus? You know, are you sure that you want me to follow you and you want to make me into something? But as we look at follow me is a term that Jesus used throughout his ministry. It's a term that's used quite frequently in the Gospels. A couple of examples. You got later on in the book of Matthew, Matthew 8, 22, he, uh, he says, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. That was when a scribe came up to him and said, Lord, I want to I be a disciple. He said, okay, follow me and let the dead bury their bed, the dead. And he said, well, I don't really want to do that. I'd rather bury my folks. And uh, another example, probably one of the more famous examples, Mark chapter 8, where he says, if anyone wants to follow, if anyone wants to be with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's one that we hear quite often in the church realm. But you can see that these words weren't uncommon for Jesus to use. You walk up, he walks up and says, follow me, this is Jesus talking, you, you listen. Um, it's also actually, in this, in this setting here in verse 19, it's a verb. It means to do something. It means to, to come alongside, to, to travel behind or come alongside, to, um, to be with during something, if that makes sense. It wasn't just some random word that Jesus said to them. He came to them and said, you know, he wasn't talking to the other thousands of people on the beach. He's talking to them. He said, follow me. I think that uh, the next portion of this, uh, of this call is probably the most important and sometimes e- the most easily overlooked. When you read that, it kind of flows together. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You got the follow me that's important. You got the fishers of the men important. But I think the middle section is probably the most important. It says, I will make you. Here we see, we see God's display of sovereignty through Jesus, his son, right here, calling these people. And he says, you're not going to do it. I'm going to do it through you and for you. How powerful is that? I think... Uh, 
Spurgeon says it well in his sermon on the fishers of men. He says, when Christ calls us by grace, we must not only remember who we are, but we must also remember what he can make us into. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. We must repent of what we've been and rejoice in what we may have what we may become. It's not follow me because of what you already are. It's not follow me because you make, you'll make something for yourselves. It's follow me because of what I will make you. And when we read it, it's so easily just glanced over. But it's not us that does it. Just like in our salvation, it's not us that does it. It's Christ through us. And if, if we, we take away anything from today, let's take away that it's not us, it's Christ in us. And the last section on this verse is the fishers of men. It's the analogy that would resonate with Peter and Simon, or Simon called Peter and Andrew and James and John. It was, it was the analogy that turned the light bulb on for them. It was them who were fishermen completely turning it upside down and saying, now that you're going to be fisher, fishers of men. And when I think about that today, someone once said that too many Christians are no longer fishers of men, but keepers of the aquarium. And I sit here and think, how true is that? We're no longer out fishing for men. You know, this, this term fisherman for men is, is evangelistic and it's, and it's a meaning. He, he, Jesus is going to teach you to go and share the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's his purpose for calling these people. Jesus could have done it by himself. He didn't need us. He didn't need the, the disciples. But he chose to call the disciples. And in turn, through those disciples and through the years of evangelism and sharing the good news, we were saved. And how wonderful is that? And so, when we, when we think about being fishers of men, we must think about Jesus saying, follow me. It's almost like a recipe. If you were, if you were to want to say, hey, I want to I share Christ with somebody, how do I do it? Well, first, you've got to follow Jesus. Second, you've got you to give up your, your own will to do it because he's going to do it through you. And then you've got to share. You've got to evangelize. And so as we look at these verses, we see the first disciples being called, who they are. They are these mere fishermen that, that Jesus came to along the shore and called them to, to follow after him. We see this call that Jesus himself said, said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And lastly, we see their response. The point number three is their response. And we see that in, in verse 20 and 22. Two separate responses, both the same. Verse 20 says, Immediately they left their nets and followed him. 
In verse 22, it says, Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. A couple of extra words in verse 22, but the same, same meaning. Their response was obedience. Their response was immediately following. You know, in every question or every scenario or every situation where we're posed with a question, there's always a response. We might answer the question. We might avoid the question. But in each situation, there's still a response. We still, if we answer it, then that's the normal response that we get. If we avoid it, then the response is nothing. And for, for those who go out on, and witness um, on a regular basis, you see those different responses. And, and it's, it's hard at times when you see those responses that are close to home, where you shared with a family member for time and time again, for years and years, and the response is still nothing. But that not, that's not the response we see here in the calling of the first disciples. We see that immediately they left their nets, immediately they left their boats and their father. There was no sticking around going, hold on, Jesus, let me finish mending this net, or hold on, Jesus, let me, let me wait till I get off work and then I'll, I'll come over. Or hold on, Jesus, let me go check with my, the rest of my family and make sure it's okay that I do this, you know. So-and-so's got dinner ready. It was immediately they followed him. There was a sense of urgency there. Now, we've heard Nathan preach about a sense of urgency. We've... Uh, We've talked about it on Wednesday nights, about a sense of urgency. But if we had to sit down and be honest with us, with ourselves, we probably really don't have that much of a sense of urgency. We live in a, we live in a uh, culture where we have to hurry up and do everything, and we procrastinate to do everything. And so there's no urgency there. Um, and how contrary is that to what we see here in Scripture today? We see these four men who were fishers their whole life, who were standing on the shore doing their job, not necessarily running after Jesus at the time. They were sitting there working. They were sitting there doing what they were supposed to do to provide for their family. Yet when Jesus came to them, they responded immediately. And if, if we have to, to sit there and be honest with ourselves again, would we have that same reaction? Would we have that same reaction if Jesus came to us and said, let's go. I've got, I've got to work for you. Let's go. And it's easy to say, yeah, oh yeah, I would, I would definitely have that reaction. Of course. I mean, it's Jesus. But re- really, would we have that reaction? Gut check, will we have that reaction? And so as we look today, we've, we've seen the disciples. We've seen Jesus call them. We see that they were ordinary people like us, doing their job. Jesus comes to them, calls them. And Jesus never told them, hey, follow after me. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have fun. It's going to be a blast. See some people get saved. 
a couple miracles. He never said any of that. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I will teach you how to spread people to come back to me for salvation. And so I want to challenge you as I close this morning that are you being fishers of men? Are you following after Jesus? Are you allowing him to make you into fishers of men? Are you making Jesus the priority in your life? My prayer is that each and every one of us are. But I don't want to be naive and think that there may not be one person sitting here that doesn't follow Jesus. It's very possible. There are several, several people in this room. But my prayer is that, that you will follow Jesus, that you will become fishers of men, and that you will respond immediately. Because if you sit there and leave, that's your response. That your response is, no thanks, God. And so, as we close again, my prayer is that you will take these things seriously, that, that you will challenge yourself, that if you are not a fisher of men, that you will become a fisher of men. The Lord says today is the day of salvation. Praise God for that.